Thank you for joining us here at Prevail Church for this podcast. We hope this experience builds your faith and impacts your life. For more information about Prevail Church, visit us online at prevail.tv. Now let's tune in. Thank you all for being here this morning. I want to uh, really dive into it. We are in the final week, final week. Somebody say final week. Final week of Small Cloud Rising. And um, I hope these uh, messages have blessed you and have been encouraging to you. Uh, They've been been some awesome weeks. I'm excited that Logan's here today. I told Logan, I said, I was beginning to think you were backsliding. (laughs) Y'all know that about, do y'all know the term backsliding? Anybody know that term? That's an old church term right there, boy. They used to say you sit on the front row in church and then you start making your way to the back. Come on. And then you get on the back row and then you won't see it no more. Amen. And that was what we called a backslider. Come on. I call it the moonwalk spirit. Amen. I'm joking. Um, so we are excited to finish the series up this week. Next week, I'm starting a series called Culture. I felt like Um, And I'll probably get into this more, but I felt like as I was working through this series that I needed to do something focused, really to focus on unpacking who we are as a church, our values, and different things. I haven't done it in a while, and there's some some things coming that um, I'll be talking about starting next week, Um, and I'm excited to share those with you. Um, Y'all pray for our folks. We got some folks that, that just, they've been under the weather and sick and all kinds of stuff, and so they didn't get to make it to this morning, and they're, you know, upset about it and want to be here, but y'all just pray for healing over them, amen? Because it's, uh, you know, the enemy, whoo, Lord have mercy. I didn't want to say the enemy. I don't want to give him no power. He ain't got none, so we'll move on. Come on. So this week, we're finishing up the series, Small Cloud Rising. And I believe I'm on mission to share a word that I believe is going to minister to you today. Um, it's really been it's really been on me all week, and um, and I was oh man when it it hit me in the middle of preaching last Sunday evening at my mom's anniversary service. She was. She celebrated 22 years of ministry, amen? And I was preaching, and while I was preaching, something jumped off the page, and I just dug into that thing, even in that moment. And the Lord said, man, you gotta go back to that for this week for Prevail. And so I want to really dive into it and share some things with you that I believe is going to minister to your heart this morning. Amen? So we're going to dive into it. So let's turn to 1 Kings uh, chapter 18. We're going to read verses 1 through 2. In the message it says this, a long time passed. Then God's word came to Elijah. The drought was now in the third year. Somebody say third year. It was now in the third year. The message, go and present yourself to Ahab. I'm about to make it rain on the country. Somebody say, make it rain. (laughs) On the country. Elijah set out to present himself to Ahab. The drought in Samaria at the time was the most severe. Somebody say, the most severe. Then we're going to skip down to verses 41 through 43 in chapter 18 of 1 Kings. And it says this, Elijah said to Ahab, up on your feet, eat and drink, celebrate. Rain is on the what? And then what's the next words? I hear it coming. Somebody say rain is on the way. I hear it coming. All right, we're going to say it again. I want you to say it like you actually believe these words. Rain is on the way. I hear it coming. Rain is on the way. I hear it coming. And, uh, Ahab did it, got up and ate and drank. Meanwhile, Elijah, somebody say meanwhile. Meanwhile, Elijah climbed to the top of Carmel, 
bowed deeply in prayer, his face between his knees. Then he said to his young servant, On your feet now, look towards the sea. And he went and looked and reported back, I don't see a thing. I see, I hear rain coming. I don't see a thing. Somebody say, I don't see a thing. Keep looking, said Elijah, seven times if necessary. Somebody said seven times if necessary. And then we're going we're gonna to skip on over to 1 Corinthians, because, you know, sometimes people are, oh, you're just talking about the Old Testament, so I'll give you some New Testament. All right, amen, hallelujah. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 17, from the right Reverend Paul himself. He says it like this. The extraordinary level of revelations I receive is no reason for anyone to exalt me. For this is why a thorn in my flesh was given to me. A thorn in my flesh was given to me. The adversary's messenger sent to harass me, keeping me from becoming arrogant. Ooh, Paul, such strong words. Then he says three times. Somebody say three times. Seven times if you have to. Three times. I can see Paul saying it like an old Baptist room. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to relieve me of this. But he answered me, my grace is more, is always more than enough for you. And my power finds its full expression through your weakness. So I will celebrate my weaknesses. For when I am weak, I sense more deeply the mighty power of Christ living in me. So I am not defeated by my weakness, but delighted. For when I feel my weakness and endure mistreatment, when I'm surrounded with troubles on every side and face persecution because of my love for Christ, I am made yet stronger. For my weakness becomes a portal to God's power. Somebody say, my weakness becomes a portal to God's power. Some strong words. I want to preach a message today that I have titled, and I believe I'm on a message, um, um, uh, mission that's titled Managing the Middle. Somebody say Managing the Middle. Lord, thank you for what you're going to say. I pray that you would speak through me in Jesus' name. Amen. We've been talking about clouds. We've been talking about small clouds. We've been talking about clouds. First week we talked about hearing the promise of God as Elijah did when he heard from God that rain was coming. Somebody said rain was coming. First week we discussed our perspectives and how sometimes we would hear what we couldn't see. Come on somebody. Because the greatest opposition to your faith is not what you hear, it's what you see. Okay. All right, so y'all gonna make me preach hard. All right, okay. Nobody gonna say amen to me this morning. All right. All right, so, so the greatest opposition to your faith is not what you hear, it's what you see. Somebody say see. God will tell you, I'm going to bless you, and you can look at your life and say, well, I, don't, <laughs> I don't see no blessings. Come on, somebody. Right? You know, you know what I'm talking about? Uh, Lord, I'm going to save your husband. Mm, have you seen him? Bless the Lord. I'm going to give you a house. You see my finances, Jesus. Come on. The greatest opposition to your faith is what you look at. It's not what you hear, you know. Faith just comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Come on, somebody. Faith is all a part of hearing. We walk by faith and not by The challenge of your life is not what you hear, it's what you see. It's what you're looking at. Somebody say what you're looking at. That's the opposition of your faith. So we discussed how sometimes we would hear what we couldn't see yet. You ever had God tell you he's going to do something great and then you don't see it? You ever had God tell you to do something, you do it, and then you're like, next part, Jesus. (laughs) 
We also talked about the need to remember that sometimes seeing nothing is a sign that God is working. Somebody says sometimes seeing nothing is a sign that God is working. But seeing nothing doesn't mean we do nothing. Come on. Elijah didn't see anything, but he said, go back seven times if you have to. Somebody said, go back seven times. He told the man, you got to get consistent in going to check. Come on, somebody. And sometimes you're seeing nothing. It's not it's a sign that God is still working, but it doesn't mean we do nothing. And then we discussed that we shouldn't let what we see shape what we heard. Amen. Because Elijah heard rain was coming. And then the servant said, I see a cloud the size of a man's hand. Imagine if Elijah, after all the stuff has gone through and he's, you know, told all these people and had this big showdown with the prophets of Baal and told uh, uh, Ahab, go drink and, and celebrate and do all these things because rain is coming and everybody's all hype and ready to go. And then Elijah, Elijah says, oh, and, you know, can you imagine that? You get everybody all hype. Oh, my God, God's going to do this. And then you show up <coughs> and it's a small, well, that's about you know what I'm saying? I struggle with this. Me and Aaron struggle with this. We'll invite people to church. We'll be like, ah, come to church. And then we'll be like, yeah, it might be on like, you know, 15, 20 people down. And sometimes we have the tendency to, lay, to let what we see shape what we heard. Right? And, and, and we know rain is coming, but we will limit God's ability to really make it rain because we believe that what we see, the small cloud, defines how big the rain will be. Are you hearing me? Imagine Elijah would be like, because he told him, hey, hey, you dream celebrate because it's about to rain. Dude, that's a small cloud. About the size of a man's head. Elijah could have been like, well, I don't know, guys. It's going to be a little bit of rain. I don't know how much rain, but I don't know. No, he actually looked at the service and said, all right, you see that small cloud? You better get down the hill and tell them to get moving because it's about to rain. Come on, somebody. He didn't let the small cloud shape the fact that he served a big God. And that big God had already told him he was about to make it rain. The second week, we talked about God's intentions for the church. And that his intentions for the church is that we would be spread across the earth so that all may know the love of God. Amen? But we talked about how when we interpret God's intentions wrong, and we will take matters into our own hand. So they interpreted God's intentions wrong, they started building a tower in Babel. In Babel, Amen? We call it the Tower of Babel. It's not a Tower of Babel. It was never meant to be known anything about Babel. It was just a tower that they were building in Babel. Come on. Sometimes we get so, uh, so caught up in the, the terms and the definitions, we think that Babel had something to do with the tower. The tower had nothing to do with the... It, it wasn't Babel that made the people build tower. Amen? It was the people. In, come on, somebody. You catch what I'm trying to say? Y'all like, oh, I'm, I'm there. I'm there. Listen, so we can get confused about all of these things. But the truth of the matter is they, they interpreted God's intentions wrong. He said, I want you to be spread out and fill the earth, right? And they said, well, we need to do this because we got to get to God lest we be scattered. They interpreted his intentions wrong. They thought that he wanted them to be scattered. And he said, I want you to be spread out. Somebody say spread out. Come on, somebody. You ever spread out some beans on a, on a counter? It's got intention behind it, right? The beans don't just fly everywhere. When you scatter beans everywhere, they go everywhere. You ever, you ever dropped a pack of nerds? Y'all know what nerds is. Y'all too young for nerds. <laughs> you ever had a pack of nerds that you were eating and it was good too, and then you just dropped the whole thing? You're like, Man, my spirit's broken. <laughs> they interpreted his intentions wrong. The end result of taking matters into our own hand usually leads us to the very thing that we fear. For the people building the Tower in Babel, this was being scattered. And what happened after they started disobeying God? He came down, and guess what he did? Confused the language. And guess what they ended up doing? Becoming scattered. 
The very thing they feared is what they became because they left, they thought they were, uh, they interpreted God's intentions wrong and they started operating in disobedience. Ooh, that's a word right there. And so they, they feared being scattered and they ended up scattered. But we're reminded of this thing that that we that that the thing that on the surface looks like a mess was actually still a beautiful part of God's plan. Amen. Because even though they still thought they were scattered, God was still looking at it like you just spread out. You're just doing exactly what I wanted you to do in the first place. Come on, somebody. And we talked about the beautiful mess mandate on this church and that God was calling us to be together, not the same. Somebody say together. together. Not the same. To be on one accord, not so much in one place, and to be spread out, not scattered. Amen? And last week we were encouraged and reminded that clouds represent God's guidance, his protection, his faithfulness, his affirmation, and his redemption. Amen? We were encouraged to, 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 to remember that whatever we we're facing, that Jesus would lead and guide us. Come on, say, lead and guide me. Did he lead and guide anybody this week? Are y'all just quiet? Okay, all right. Jesus uh, will illuminate the path forward. He will keep us from all harm. He'll provide protection. He is faithful and he will not leave nor forsake us. Amen? Amen. And we were reminded that Jesus has finished the work and invited us to rest. Somebody say rest. Rest. But this week, I want to talk about the power of pain. Somebody say the power of pain. pain. Some of y'all just, you know, sucked all the air up in your jeans. Amen. (laughs) You're like, I don't want to talk about pain. I want to talk about the power of pain. Clouds bring blessings, but the pain and the in-between can sometimes crush us if we don't understand the power of the pain in our lives. Managing the middle is important because the middle can crush you if you don't understand the power of the pain in the middle. Somebody say power and pain. See, the greatest challenge of your faith is not that God is not trusting that God is speaking. But it's knowing how to manage the in-between of God's word and your current reality. It's knowing how to manage the middle that is between God's promise and your current place. God's desire and your will. God's word, come on somebody, and your work. Many of us can confidently say that we've heard God's promises over us and over our lives, but like Elijah, what's in between the promise of rain and the reality of rain can be painful. It can be painful. It can be full of stress. It can be full of anxiety. It can be, come on somebody. Because God's promises don't always line up with our reality. And a lot of times God shows up in our life when we're at our lowest and he tells us what he sees, which is much better than our lowest. Come on, somebody. Right? God, I am messed up, toe up from the floor, make you want to throw up. I got a plan for you. I'm going to use you to preach the gospel. Are you sure? Because you know. Y'all never talk to God like that? I know me. Come on, somebody. Yes, I know you too, but I know who I called you to be. And who you are today is not who you'll be tomorrow. 
if you're getting God's plan. So the greatest challenge of your faith is not trusting that God is speaking, because God is speaking. I mean, there are churches that tell you that God don't speak anymore, but they are churches that probably should close their doors. Come on, somebody. Because they don't believe in God that's still speaking. There's something wrong with them, because God is still speaking. Amen? Some of us believe, and, and there are a lot of things that are tell us that when, when the Bible was done, that God stopped talking. The devil is a liar. Amen. He's actively present, actively a part of our life, actively speaking every single day of our life right now in Jesus' name. Amen. And I need you to hear me. God is speaking, but you got to learn how to manage the middle. Somebody say manage the middle. I was preaching at my mom's church last week at her anniversary, and, and I got to rereading these scriptures. And this thing jumped out at me. It jumped out at me in the scripture that, you know, Elijah trusted God's word that it would rain. How do we know? Because he started moving. He started doing the things that a person would do when they trust God's word. They start taking steps of faith. Amen. Elijah trusted that God, because God showed up. Listen, the Bible says that when God showed up and spoke to Elijah, the drought had been going on for three years. Not only had the drought been going on, but it was the most severe. Hear me. When God shows up and makes a promise of rain, it is in the most severe time and the most severe drought that they've ever seen. Ain't it like God to promise something that don't look like your current reality? Ain't it like God to promise a future that doesn't match up with your present. Ain't it like God to lead you somewhere that you have no clue, nobody know who, whatever it is, and, and, and say, I'm going to do this. But you look at your life like, what is going on? Elijah trusted God's word that it would rain. Why did he trust God's word? Because God said so. Somebody say, God said it. And Elijah had no reason to believe that God wasn't a man of his word. He had no reason. How do I know this? Because he's seen God move before. Come on, somebody. The first miracle that Elijah performed is shutting down the rain. Come on. He, I'm, we're finna stop the rain. Rain season. And God's like, got you, bro. Hey, did you do my Elijah's miracle today? Yeah, okay. Hold that for three years. Put that on my calendar in three years. At Elijah's request, God stopped the rain. So Elijah trusted that God would do what he said he would do. Amen? He was a man of his word. He had no reason to lie. So when God shows up and says, I'm about to make it rain, Elijah knows this is the same God that stopped rain when I said to stop rain. It's also the same God that sent ravens to feed me every morning and every evening. He had no reason not to trust God's word. He was also the same God that multiplied the widow's food. Elijah had seen God move before. So when God shows up and says, Elijah, I'm about to make it rain, Elijah is not so much concerned with how God's going to do it. He just knows that because I've seen you move before, I know you'll move again. So, come on, somebody. I've seen you do it before, and I'll see you do it again. So I'm not concerned about how you're going to do it. I just know you're going to do it. Somebody said, I just know you're going to do it. So Elijah had no reason not to trust God. Oh, I want to pause for a minute and just tell you, there's no reason not to trust the Lord. 
Listen, I don't care where you are, how hard it may look. I don't care if God's asking you something that seems impossible on the surface. You better learn to trust the Lord because God is a man of his word. He will do exactly what he said he will do. He will not leave you nor forsake you, and he will not let you live your life outside of his will and out of his promise. A man who trusts the Lord is a man who has a good life. Come on, somebody. Listen, listen. The Lord will order your steps. Now you hear me. Elijah's had no reason. I can imagine Elijah, you know, doing one of them YouTube, Instagram interviews, hot ones. You know, he's eating hot wings, you know, or whatever, hot raven bones or whatever. I don't know. (laughs) I'll kick you out. She got it. She left. He's just sitting there, and they're like, Elijah, tell us about your relationship with God. Well, I mean, listen, bro. You see this food I'm eating right now? A bird brought it to me this morning, bro. You know what I'm going to have dinner tonight? A bird going to bring it to me, bro. Elijah, tell us about, I showed up at this widow's house. She had a little bit of flour and this and that. And bro, listen, she still got food coming down from heaven right now. She still like it. Come on. Elijah, why should we trust God? Have you been outside lately? There's no rain. You're welcome. I know it's just a little joke, but, but this is to demonstrate that he had no reason not to trust God. You have no reason not to trust God. Did you wake up this morning? Yes. But they say in the old church, he woke me up this morning and started me on my way. Come on, somebody. God's grace was good enough to let you see another day. Come on, somebody. Hold on, hold on. Well, I, I, I'm struggling with this. You trusted God in this area before and he took care of you. So what's different now? See, the reality is, oh, can I go here? We get comfortable in the blessing we are in. And when God tells them, says, it's time to move from this blessing. Come on. Oh, I'll say it this way. We get comfortable in the glory we're in right now. And God comes and says, I want to move you from glory to glory. Right? Glory to glory. God doesn't want you to stay in the same spot. We get comfortable with this glory, but God said, I want to move you from glory to this glory. Glory to glory. Somebody say glory to glory. The problem is, is we get scared of two. Oh, we know he's going to get us to the glory. It's the, it's the two. Lord, I don't know if I'm ready for that. I'm so comfortable with this glory, Jesus. I love it right here. I'm blessed. I'm financially set. Everything's going well. Glory to glory. That's not the, the stopping place. And we got to learn how to manage the middle. Amen? Something jumped out at me of the scripture. You know, I look at the scripture and I see a few things. I see that, 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 that Elijah, there's a few things that we can pull from the scripture that Elijah did that I think will help us learn how to manage the middle. Somebody say manage the middle. Managing the middle. So I got three things. Somebody say three things. I got three things that I'm going to let you out before Chick. No, Chick play ain't open today. I'll let you up for Waffle House clothes, amen? If we're going to learn to manage the middle, and the middle can be painful, the middle can be full of anxiety, it can full, be full of worry. Come on, somebody. Full of stress, anguish. I don't know what's going to happen. <sighs> can I tell you something? God's not scared of the stress and the anguish and stuff that's going on in your life. God is not afraid of the middle. He's not, listen, he's Alpha 
and omega and everything in between beginning and the end well acquainted with the middle listen he's the God that stands with you at the beginning of your life and is rooting for you at the end of your life but he's so good because he walks with you through your life that's why they call him omnipresent he's everywhere at the same time come on somebody there's no place you can go. David said it like this, where can I go that you're not there? I can make my bed in hell. And guess what? You're there. Amen? So we're going to learn how to manage the middle. Somebody say manage the middle. We need to learn a few things. First thing is this, we need to learn to confidently suffer. Somebody say confidently Suffer. What does that mean? Suffer with confidence. Confidently suffer. And that's hard for some of us. Hey, listen, I wrote this down. Faith is not the absence of suffering. Faith is not the absence of pain. Faith is not the absence of struggle. It's not the absence of trials. It's not the absence of downs. It's not the absence of bad days. Come on, somebody. Faith is not a bowl of ice cream every single day. Amen? Faith is confidently trusting God while we journey through sometimes the suffering. Faith is not the absence of health problems. It's not the absence of loss. It's not the absence of of, of pain. It's learning to trust God through it. Come on, somebody. Oh, see, we don't like to talk about suffering in church because, you know, I just, oh, man, it's like a Debbie Downer. You start talking about suffering, people are like, oh. But, but we don't like to talk about what most people are going through. Come on. And sometimes church becomes a drug because we want it to lift us out of our reality so we don't have to feel the pain of what we're suffering through. But God ain't trying to interested in being a drug. He wants to be your Lord and Savior. He wants to be with you through it all. He ain't just trying to lift you out every week. Numb the pain. Church is not a place to numb the pain. Come on, somebody. It's a place to acknowledge the pain, but also acknowledge the person who takes the pain away. He doesn't just take the pain away. He walks with you sometimes through the hardest seasons of your life. I'll never leave nor forsake you. But, uh, you know, we talked about just now, David said, look, where can I go that, 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 I, that, that you're not there? I can make my bed in hell. You are there. In the roughest seasons and patches of your life, in the deepest, darkest holes of your life, when you don't see hope and you don't feel hope and you don't feel it today and you don't feel it in your heart and I don't feel like going to church and I don't feel like singing and I don't feel like worshiping to God and I don't feel like it's actually here listening to me. That is the moment you need to recognize that God is on your side. Suffering. With confidence, it's learning to manage the middle. Promise over here, pain over here. God's presence right here. Faith is not the absence of suffering, it's trusting God while we journey through the suffering. Trusting God to find purpose in the pain. It's trusting God to find strength in the struggle. Come on, somebody. 
Just trust in God. No matter what's happening, I see you, Lord. I trust you. Somebody say, I trust you. Now that, listen. It sounds good on paper. Come on, somebody. But it's a hard thing to do. And this is why the fight of your life is what you see versus what you hear. Because we see calamity. We see the world falling apart around us. We see. Come on, somebody. I pray for our nation all the time, and then I turn the news on. I'm like, what? Why? We see hate. We see all sorts of stuff. We see it. We see people getting beat up by the church constantly. I see it and I'm praying. I'm like, God, I'm preaching a message that ain't even like this. Why is nobody showing up? God's like, confidently suffer. Got you. Don't you throw in the towel. God's got you. Amen? If we're going to learn to manage the middle, we also have to learn to consistently expect God to perform His Word. Somebody say consistently. Expect God to perform His Word. Elijah walks and says, go celebrate all this stuff. Listen, confidence. Go celebrate. Rain is coming. I hear it. He's standing there. Woo. Y'all better go. Y'all better go through a party because I hear rain. The next verse says he was on his knees, head in between his knees, praying. God, sin rain. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. How do you go from party? I hear it. Y'all better gonna celebrate. I hear rain coming. Oh God. Are they looking? Lord, I just told them rain was coming. <laughs> Lord, I just I just told them rain. Yes, Lord. Hey, can you go up there and check? Yeah, I got you, Lord. Yeah, I'm going. He comes back down. What's up? Yeah, I I ain't see nothing. Lord, I told these people to dance and celebrate. They're down there having a good old time. I hear the music. I hear it all. I need you to send the rain you told me you were going to send. All right. Now, this ain't in Scripture. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm gathering from the way the Bible talks about him praying that he bowed deeply in prayer, his face between his knees. That is a prayer of, I need you to show up because I just told them something that you said you were going to do. I just said, this is what I hear. Come on, somebody. You ever had that in your life where you do something and people are like, mm-hmm, and you're like, God, listen, you told me to do this, and I told everybody you told me to do this, so I'm going to need you to show up. Come on, somebody. Oh, y'all, listen, when we started this church again, because listen, we, we started the church and we, shut, we merged with another church and we shut down for a year because it was crazy. Come on, somebody. You know, you know, oh, bro. Thank you, Lord. Season's over. But we started, and then, and then we were praying, and I was like, Lord, what are we going to do? And God said, start the church with the same name in the same city again. I said, huh, what, who, what, Jesus, huh, what, who, what? 
And uh, yeah, so I just, and I told, I told my bishop who's, who's going on to be with the Lord, I said, Bishop, the Lord said, start, prevail in Greenville again. He said, in the same city with the same name, same church? I said, yeah. He said, well, you better, that's a word from the Lord because <laughs> it don't make sense on paper. I said, I know it don't make sense to me, but I know what I know what the Lord said. Come on, somebody. And sometimes every now and then people go, how's the church going? I'm like, Ooh, Lord, you, you told me to start the same church in the same city in the same. Come on, somebody. I need you to show up like you said you will. You told me to do this, and I don't care what's going on around me. I know what I just told these people. I told everybody else. God told me to start the church here. Amen. Hallelujah. Sometimes, though, we get weary in our expectations of God's word. So it don't happen in the time that we thought it would happen. Or people start mocking you and people start going, wow, well, you just need you just need to get that dream up and you need to do this and you need to turn for this or maybe just take this pathway and just do that. Uh-uh, the devil's a liar. I know what God told me. God told me to do what I'm doing right now and I'm going to keep doing it whether you agree or don't agree. It doesn't matter to me. You can get on board. You don't have to be on board. But what I do know is what the Lord said. Amen. And so what I'm going to do is follow his word even even if today it doesn't look like what he said, because you are catching me in the middle. Come on. You catch me in the in-between. And don't judge my future by what's going on right now. Don't judge my future. Don't, don't judge my end by the in-between. Don't you judge the end of a thing by what's going on. Come on, somebody. You don't know what it's, what it's capable of until you know what it's capable of. You don't know what its purpose is until you know what it's... Listen, it's not until you get on the other side of pain that you really understand the purpose of the pain. But we throw in the towel in the middle and we stop walking to God with confidence and, and we stop consistently expecting God to show up and perform his word. Listen, some of y'all, listen, I'm going to tell y'all something. You got to get back to the point where you can have the confidence because God ain't scared of your confidence. Come on, by the way, amen, hallelujah. I'm sorry, you might be arrogant, but you still can't compare it to God, amen. But he can, he can handle your confidence, and you can walk into his throne room, and you can say, Lord, you know, you told me a couple years ago <laughs> that you were going to show up <laughs> on my behalf, <laughs> and I ain't seen you show up yet. <laughs> I need you, Lord. Y'all never pray like that? That's how them old, them old men used to pray when I was growing up in church. They'd be on the, and, and listen, they'd be praying for an hour, and they'd get to the point where they start just wailing. They wouldn't say nothing. Oh, Jesus. Oh, that's how they prayed. I'm like, what is you saying? Oh, Jesus. We just sit there. By the time it was over, I'd be to slap my mom, be like, boy, wake up. I'm like, mama, they ain't here, you know, alarm clocks. Sound machines. Oh, Lord. But it's something about having the passion and the guts and the desire to consistently expect God to perform his word. Listen, if God said it, he will do it. But it's okay if you check on it every now and then. Come on, somebody. Elijah prayed, and guess what Elijah also did? Checked. <laughs> God said he was going to send rain. Elijah prayed, and then he said, listen, servant, go up there and check. Oh, oh I, I don't see nothing. All right? Listen, I need you to do me a favor. Go back seven times if you have to. I need you to go back. Listen, I know what God said. I know what we see. We don't see it yet. Come on, somebody. <laughs> but I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep checking until I see what God said. Woo! Keep going back until you see what you heard. Keep going back until you see what you heard. Go seven times if you have to. Listen, go 10 times if you have to. Go 30 times if you have to. Go 777 times. I don't care how many times you got to go. If God said it and you believe it, then you got to keep going back and checking on the word because God will perform his word and God is not afraid of you saying, well, Lord, you know, I'm, I'm still trusting here. I'm still believing. Come on, sometimes listen. Sometimes when we get sick, we give up on the word immediately. 
Well, I prayed the first time God didn't heal me. Uh, what, what does that mean? Did he say he was going to heal you? Well, do you believe he can heal you? Yes. Well, then you better keep praying and you better keep checking. And you better keep going back and saying, God, I know you are a healer. I know you to be a God who heals. And I know today that you can take care of this ailment, this pain that I'm feeling in my, whatever it may be. God is not afraid of us checking. Amen. Somebody better go back and check on the word. You better learn how to persistently pursue the promise that God gave you. Somebody say persistently. You got to get persistent in your pursuit. Persistently pursue God's promise. What did he say? Persistently pursue it. Come on, somebody. Line your life up to persistently pursue God's promise. What did God say? Well, he told me he was going to give me a house. Well, then listen, persistently pursue that promise. What does that look like? You got to learn how to manage the middle. Maybe that looks like getting a budget and getting your savings together and getting your stuff. to Come on, somebody. And, and, and trusting that God's word is God's word. You may not have the money to get the house now, but you got the spirit to work on getting towards the... Come on, somebody. We want this magical, oh, God, show up and do it. And he can do that. But how, you, how many of you know, most of the time you got to learn how to let God work on you before you get the promise. Oh, we don't want to hear that. Because we want the promise, but we don't want the process. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. All right. We want the promise, but not the process. Come on, right? <laughs> We want the house, but we don't want to break our spending debt. Okay. All right. We want the car, but we don't want to say, uh, okay. We want the health, but we don't want to work. Oh, okay. Never mind. Okay. Oh, man. Oh, wow. Okay. Right. I see how it is. I, listen, everybody online, you just say amen, amen, hallelujah. If we're going to learn to manage the middle, we got to learn how to consistently expect God to perform his word. Amen? We're going to learn to manage the middle. We also have to learn to confidently, confidently rest in God's response. Rest in God's response with confidence. Somebody say confidence. God's response to Elijah was a small cloud. Imagine if Elijah would have said, you said it was going to rain. This small cloud ain't enough, bro. See, when you learn to trust the God who did it before, when you learn to trust the God who you see move before, How he responds to your now doesn't shape how you react to his response. Okay. <sighs> Elijah, no food. I'll send ravens to feed you day and night. When a bird brings you food, Come on, day and night. A small cloud is a big miracle. Uh, multiply the widow's food. Elijah saw it produce more and more. Come on, somebody listen. Listen, Elijah saw what she had, but he also saw what she had and how much it produced. Oh my God. So Elijah could look at a small cloud and say, that is enough for God to produce something that I don't even know when he's going. So you know what you better do? Because I saw this before. I seen it before. I seen him multiply miracles before. And I can know, I can tell you that he's the God that can multiply clouds. And though it looks like a small hand, a man's small hand, whatever it may be. Come on, somebody. Though it looks small on the on the surface, let me tell you what you better do. You better prepare and you better get down the mountain and you better get to moving quickly because rain is 
coming. I know the God that I serve, and I know the God that I serve can use small things to produce big results. Come on. I know the God that I can I serve can take a small miracle and make it a, a huge blessing. Come on. So I know the God that I serve can take small hinges on doors. Come on, right? And, and, and open big doors. Come Right? Come on. So listen, listen, you got to understand. Bishop Tony said this. He said, Fred, big, uh, big doors swing on small hinges. Sometimes we look at the size of the miracle, come on, and we judge the blessing. And Elijah said, I have done this before, and I've seen God move before, and I've seen God take something that seems so simple and so small and so insignificant and make it something that's a huge blessing. Y'all better get down that mountain, because let me tell you what's about to happen. That small cloud is about to produce blessings that if you ain't ready for them, they'll overwhelm you in Jesus' name. Oh, okay. You got to learn how to rest in God's response. He was okay with the small cloud because he knew the big God. Amen. Rest in God's response. Somebody say rest in God's response. Rest in God's response. Now I want to land this plane because I want to, I, I want to, I want to, this is where I really want to talk about because we've got to learn how to manage the middle. Now, Elijah's story is beautiful. When we see the rain and we see the clouds and we see all the stuff and the blessing, oh, bless the hallelujah. They had a shout and ran down the hill and Elijah pulled up his thing. He's running like oh, Come on, somebody. Out there setting world records running down the hills. And God's response was more than he could ever imagine. But I wrote this question now. What if God's response is a thorn? I'm going to say it again because I don't think y'all heard me in the mic right there, okay? Listen. What if God's response is a thorn? I can give you two examples where God's response to the outside looked like a problem to others. Jacob. Bible says he was wrestling with God, wrestling with God, wrestling for the word. And I will not leave you until you say your word, until you speak. You know, I just, I, this is how these stories play out in my head, okay? For some reason, it sounds like a mixture of, uh, of uh, like Game of Thrones and somebody from New Zealand. And, you know, I will not leave you before. <laughs> yeah. And then it's like a little Jamaican thing there. I just, you know, that's how I picture these characters talking to you, okay? Aaron's like, yeah, it's weird. One time I was trying to do an accent where I was trying to be Indian and, or Italian, and she was like, hmm. Sounds a little Jamaican, bro. <laughs> I was like, no, it is not Jamaican. <laughs> um, but, but I, uh, I picture, you know, and Jacob's wrestling with God, and he's wanting his word. And the Bible says the angel struck, struck him on his hip. And from that point on, he walked with a limp. He was marked. God's response left him with a mark that everybody saw. That looked like an issue, but was really a blessing. Oh, okay. Paul, I love Paul, great Paul, great theologian, wrote a lot of the scriptures that we, we build a lot of our faith on. Come on, somebody. And most of us misinterpret Paul like crazy. Amen. Paul was actually really known for preaching grace. That's why the Sanhedrin and all the hated because he was an expert in the law, and he could unpack grace by breaking down what he was an expert at. Come on, somebody. And they didn't like him. They hated him for it. But we misinterpret him. And we use his gospel to judge people. 
to hurt people, to harm. Come on, somebody. Church looks bad because we are taking misinterpreted gospel from somebody who wrote that we wouldn't like today. Most of us wouldn't like today. Right? I invite him to be a guest speaker. Come on, Paul. Say whatever it is you've got to say, bud. But Paul had a thorn. You remember the scripture we read earlier? Actually, Paul said, the thorn was given to me. What if God's response is to walk in a room with a box with white gloves on? Oh, you want a blessing? Here's a thorn. Here's some suffering. Some pain. Your faith in me is going to cause people to misunderstand you for the rest of your life. Your tenacity to follow me and go after me and leave everything behind is going to cause people to tell you that you're crazy for the rest of your life. Your faith to go join a small church in an old building that leaks every time it rains is going to be enough for people to tell you you are crazy. Now I hear God. You're crazy. Come on, somebody. The thorn can be your blessing. Some scholars believe that the thorn that Paul was discovered was talking about was a thorn because uh, he was having trouble with his vision. He was having a hard time seeing. Multiple times he actually refers to problems with his vision, right? A lot of stuff that he's talking, he's actually, he's talking and somebody else is scribing, right? Which means that, you know, they, a lot of people believe he's, he had physical ill, an illness physical with his eyes. That was the result from, you know, road to masses and all. Okay. <laughs> Paul's struggling with his vision. Some believe it wasn't even about Vision is just was it was just the the constant opposition to the gospel that he was preaching about God's grace. Constant opposition. Somebody say constant opposition. The mystery of all is is our teaching point. Amen. I believe it's left undefined, so we may know whatever it is that God still has a plan. Come on, somebody. He was given a thorn. And the plan for the thorn was to keep him from being arrogant. Keep him trusting in the Lord. Keep him relying on God. And I love what Paul says. He says, he says, I I was given this thorn and and, and see, we got to learn how to, what if God's response is a thorn? And if we, if God's response is a thorn, how do we manage the middle? We have to learn to manage the middle. If God's response is a thorn is managing the middle is realizing that God's grace is enough. Somebody say his grace is enough. His grace is enough to get us through. Not religious tricks. Come on, somebody. Not judgment. Not condemnation. Not, not works. Not all the whatever the things that we think we have to do to accomplish and get in God's way. Oh, I'm going to get out of this pain. I'm going to get out of this stuff. It ain't any of that. It's His grace. His grace is enough. Somebody say, His grace. His grace is enough. Managing the middle is accepting that God's grace is enough. Managing the middle is also knowing that, it's that our pain produces power. Our pain produces power. The Bible says this, God's power finds its full expression in our pain. And we want to cast it to the side and God's like, ooh, that is not my kryptonite. That is where I get supercharged right there. That's where I get worked up. That's where I want to show up and do, you know, come on somebody, and do my best work. Because when you feel the weakest, when you feel at your lowest, God says, that is when I'm strong, baby. That's when I show up. That's when I become Superman, Captain America, all the people that you need me to. Come on somebody. 
God's power finds its full expression in our weakness. And weakness uh, uh, and pain isn't the end result. God's power is. If you're facing hard times right now, if you're going through something right now, you're, listen, the end result is not the pain. It's the end result is you need to change your perspective. It's you need to say, God, where is your power? Where is the purpose in this pain? Because the end result is not your pain or your weakness. It's God's power. And if you're feeling today defeated, I want to encourage you that managing the middle is to know that our pain doesn't defeat us. It doesn't defeat us. Somebody say, the pain doesn't defeat me. And as Paul says it like this, it is cause to celebrate because we know our champions is about to show the full expression of his power. Come on, somebody. If I'm going through a trial and a tribulation, I can rest in the fact that my Lord Jesus is about to show up and he's about to show out. And whoever is in opposition to whatever God wants to do in my life better watch out because when God's full expression of his power shows up, everything changes. Everybody changes. Everything situation changes. Every problem has to dissipate. Everything has to line up with his will. So I want to end and encourage you that if you're going through today, if you're facing a problem or you're facing a situation or you're in the middle of a struggle or if the pain of your life is really hard and you're trying to endure it, I want to encourage you today, the word of the Lord to, 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 to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. I want to encourage you today to stand firm on his promises. I want you to be encouraged today. Come on, I'm going to preach this thing. Y'all going to have to get with me. I want you to be encouraged today, like they used to say in the old church, to hold on to God's unchanging hand. I I want to encourage you today to be not weary in well-doing because in due season you will see the salvation of the Lord. I want to encourage you today to set your mind on things above and not on things of this earth. I want to encourage you today if you're going through to be steadfast in the work of the Lord, unmovable, always grounded in God. Come on somebody. I want to encourage you today to look to the hills from which cometh your help. Where does my help come from? It comes from the Lord. Y'all, 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 y'all gonna make me preach. Okay, that's fine. I want to encourage you if you're going through today. The Bible says this that you can lay down your heavy burden and take his yoke because his yoke is easy and his burden is light. I want to encourage you today. The Bible says if you're going through, you can rejoice in the Lord always. And the Bible goes on to say, again, I say rejoice. Why he said twice? Because you need to understand. I don't care what you're facing, you can learn how to rejoice in the Lord always. I want to encourage you to hold your head up high and put a pep in your step and put a smile on your face and trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. If you're going through, I encourage you, if you're in this room or if you're online, I don't care what it is, to wait on the Lord. For he will renew your strength. They that wait on the Lord shall mount up with wings as, come on somebody, they shall run and not get ready, they shall walk and not faint. Come on somebody, are you hearing me? If you're going through, and I end with this, and I want to encourage you, whatever it is you're facing, Whatever it is, your challenge is on the start, on your doorstep. Whatever the enemy keeps telling you over in your head, over and over in your head, it's not going to work. You're going to fail. You're just going to, just going to, I want you to hear me. I want to cast that devil down in Jesus' name. That devil is a liar. Don't you believe that enemy because he ain't got no power and all he can do is give you lie after lie after lie. And if the enemy is lying to you, guess what? Then what's on the other side of the lie? God's truth. (laughs) And if he's telling you that it ain't going to work, then you better look at him and say, well, you just confirmed to me that God is going to do what he said. He's going to come on, somebody. But I want you to hear me. If you're going through and you're facing a hard time, whatever, man, I want to encourage you today to rest in the finished work of the cross. God is not angry with you. He's not mad at you. He is not punishing you. Come on, somebody. He is not punishing you. Your pain is not punishment. 
He is not punishing you. Your pain is not punishment. He is not punishing you. You didn't drop the ball and he's like, well, I got I to show you who. who huh. He is not punishing you. This is not consequences. This is not any of that. Come on, somebody. The devil's a lie. I cast down the enemy that keeps telling you in your head over and over. They go, oh, well, you, you should have tied back then. Now you're having financial troubles. You ever done that? I've done that before. And I used to believe that lie. And now listen, I give because I want to give because it's in my heart and my nature. I love giving to the house of God. I love giving to the Lord because I know that, you know, he's a reward of those who sit diligently seek him and all these different things. But listen, I, I also used to believe the lie that if I didn't give, God was going to mess up my finances. You ever believe that? And, and you know what helped me not believe it? It's when I was giving and my finances were still <laughs> Come on, somebody. And God's like, I ain't got nothing to do with that. The finished work of the cross. You're not being punished. Your pain has purpose. And your pain is not punishment. And you don't need to perform better for God to remove your pain. Manage the middle. Manage the middle and God doesn't do it works. It's got to do with trust. Putting your faith in him who is able. Amen? Thank you, Lord. I pray right now in the name of Jesus that your people would know to trust you. They would know that you are a man of your word and you will do what you said you would do. I thank you right now in the name of Jesus that we always remember that. We always know that. You are God. You are good all the time. God, whatever we're facing, whatever the pain may be, I pray that you would help us to learn to manage the middle. And God, I just pray right now this week for supernatural blessings, supernatural miracles. God, I pray right now, God, that financial disputes will be settled. I pray right now, God, that healing would come over bodies. I pray right now, God, that that transition will be made clear. I thank you, God, right now that you will end former chapters so that people can start new chapters. I thank you, God, that this next season, that this next season, we don't walk into it with the residue of our own. I trust you right now in the name of Jesus. I thank you, God, even if it's painful that you're closing the book, closing the chapter, of a former season. You're inviting us to a new season of rest and trust like never before. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Somebody say in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us here at Prevail Church for this podcast. We hope this experience builds your faith and impacts your life. For more information about Prevail Church, visit us online at prevail.tv. Now let's tune in.